The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. It is Sunday night. That must mean it's time to talk some fantasy baseball. Uh, the Reds are on fire. Jeff Erickson is not here, but we have a special guest wearing a Reds hat. Find out who that is and everything else going on in the baseball world all coming up next on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Happy Sunday night, everybody. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm Scott Jensted, usually joined by Jeff Erickson. Special guest this week, uh, Toby Batflip Casey has, has agreed, crazy has a jo- agreed to join us. So looking forward to that. If you could please rate or review the podcast, that goes a long way towards helping uh, helping us out, help you find the podcast, all that good stuff too. Uh, Toby, uh, how are you? I appreciate you jumping on. Uh, I know that uh, you know everybody's gonna, everybody's going to be happy to have you here. One of the one of the nicer guys that uh, that plays fantasy, one of the better fantasy players, and one of the smarter fantasy players. So I'm looking forward to uh, looking forward to learning from you today. Yeah, well, thanks, thanks Scott for having me here. Uh, happy Father's Day to you and and to all the the dads out there. And um, yeah, I, uh, I I must say that was a very professional intro. <laughs> finding a way to incorporate Jeff being out and yep. the Red Hat into the equation. So we it's, we've, uh, it's we've pretty rare. It's pretty rare, that. but every once in a while I nail one. It's like one in twenty. <laughs> usually i fumble over my words and and, and freak out but uh, uh yeah happy father's day back at you too i appreciate jumping on i know there's a lot going on so that's uh it's even it's even more good more good stuff there uh i wanted to uh, i wanted to jump in by i uh, kind of switch it up a little i'm gonna talk about one of your teams here i know that uh i didn't i didn't have you on because you're doing so well this year but uh, as i flip on here on the rotowire online championship on the nfbc site that's essentially the, the 12 team contest but it's a massive contest there are Try to scroll all the way down. There are 2,500 teams in that contest. It's a huge contest. 350 entry with a huge grand prize. What's the grand prize in that? Like 150? When is 150, it? yeah. Yeah. You are, uh, you are second overall right now. I uh, had a big day today. Gained about 500 points on uh, Doug Roth, who we do uh, we do know. He's uh, He hangs out in Vegas at the drafts. But uh, how are you feeling about this team? It's it's June 18th. You know, I usually like, if it's April or May, I'm like, ah, standings don't matter. They start, they matter at this point. We're, you know, what are we, 40-something percent away way through the season. Um, how are you feeling about this team? I know you mentioned off air that you lost a Grom on this team. Pretty awesome that you're up here. But uh, how are you feeling about the squad that's in second overall? Feeling pretty good? Yeah, you know, I'm feeling pretty good about the team. I mean, it's early, like you mentioned. We still have, you know, uh, a little yeah. over three months to go in the season. So there's a lot that can happen. I did lose to Grom. I was really hoping that he would somehow come back. And even if I could get 40 to 60 innings out of him. Um, I was really looking forward to that. So that's been a little bit of a bummer. We've got some injuries that are hitting the squad a bit, but um, 
it, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to be up at the top. I mean, I'd be lying if I said that I, that I wasn't excited to be there. So it's just a matter of trying to maintain and, um, you know, focusing on winning the league for sure, but also focusing on how do I improve my, my team and looking at kind of where I am in the categories and how I can improve from here on out so that I have, have a little time. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, you know, how, what, what, what point of the year do you, you start to really focus on, um, you know, this is uh, this is a, a team that has a chance for the overall, you're looking at overall stats yet. I think for me last year, you know, I, I think everybody knows I've talked about a bunch. I finished pretty high in the main event. It was up there for yeah, most you of did. the summer, most of the summer. Um, I think it was about this time of year where I, I really started to look at overall, like, where am I failing here? Cause like, you always want to win your league. But, you know, you get to this point, a lot of the money goes in the overall. You get to the point in the season midway through here where you're way up there in the overall. I think you got to focus on a little bit here. Yeah, you know, um, I, I've heard a lot of people talk about it and they're like, you know, you got to win your league first. And I would say absolutely not. Uh, I have been focused <laughs> on the overall for this team for the last, like, month and a half or so. Okay. Um, it was the number one overall team for pretty much, like, the first – maybe like four to six weeks of the season, oh, something wow. like right. that. It was pretty steady in, in, at um, number one. And and obviously, like, you know, you have to win your re- original league. But when you look at the league prizes, especially in the OC versus like the overall prizes, like the overall prize is really what you have to be shooting for. And it's been a really interesting team because it's really strong in, you know, it's been a team that's been strong in kind of nine categories throughout the season. And at first I was really down on saves. The ratios have always been elite. Okay. I was down at saves. So I added a couple closures. I got really lucky. I was like going to draw, drop Estevez and then cool. uh, Quintana uh, blew up, you know, like for like four runs. And I was like, oh, I'll hold him out one other week. And then he became gold. Uh, Sewold I have as well. And he only got the job, at least the full-time job because of injuries to Munoz. And so that's really like, I've been really lucky, but I've kind of had these different categories that I focused on. I had, uh, I think three home runs in one week, a couple weeks back, and I dropped like a thousand points in home (laughs) runs. So now I'm just focused on home runs, you know? So it kind of fluctuates week to week, but really I am focused on the overall and trying to do as well as I can there for sure. Yeah. I think at this point, in this point of the season, you have to be, and you probably started looking overall a little bit earlier than I would have, but I would have, you know, mid May, if you're up there, I think, uh, last year I made a big run. Like, I think it was like the second week of May and I went from like, you know, a hundredth to like the top 10. I'm like, all right, I gotta start looking at this. Uh, look at your team. You mentioned saves. Uh, I see you have Ryan Helsley and Liam Hendricks. Did you hold on to those guys? How are you dealing with, uh, with those guys? We'll kind of jump into some news and notes here. Obviously uh, Helsley and, and Hendricks both on the aisle this week. Yeah, I did. I didn't end up holding on to them just because I'm a little suspect. Like um, Estevez has been really solid throughout, but Sewell blew a save the other day. He's been fantastic, but with Munoz coming back and just looking lights out, you never know when they're going to kind of make that switch. They've got so many bullpen arms. And so um, I had Hendricks, who was injured last week. I picked him up pretty early on and kind of held on to him. Um, For him, I'm a little, I was, I was considering dropping him, but I felt like, you know, I'm, I'm down to after this week, I think I have like $85 left in that league. I got um, Ellie De La Cruz last week, hence the the Reds hat. I've got him, Maddie McLean, and, and Jonathan India on this team. So um, I, I really love, uh, I'm really for the Reds right now. I was saying, um, you buy, have you so bought yeah, the Reds hat? You buy the Reds hat? So I'm, I don't know how. Gr- I was going to say, did you buy the Reds hat because of that or did you already have it? No, I already had it. I went, um, I, I go on a trip with some of my buddies, um, from college every year to different stadiums. And we went to the red stadiums and I always try to get the hat. 
um, when I go there. So I got that. I've, I, I do like the Reds. I love that stadium. I mean, that stadium, if you haven't been there before, it's just a real, um, it's just a, it's just a gem. So, um, yeah, so I held on to them. Helsley, it seems like it's not hugely serious. I think they've done two MRIs. They're waiting on the second one, but it seemed like they were shutting him down for, for, uh, 10 days and then, um, going to go from there. So I'm going to hold on to him and kind of see how it plays out. I, did go after Hicks, but not super aggressively, at least in that OC league. So, um, yeah, I, I decided to hold on to them, but we'll see what happens. If I picked up McGuff this week, I got him for nine bucks, which I was really pleased nice. about. Um, I like him a lot just as a pitcher. I like that Arizona situation um, as well. I've got it picked him up uh, on a few other teams as well the last couple weeks. And so I'm hoping that that works out. And so if my saves start to solidify and I, I don't need them as much, I'm really hoping to kind of bank those and then towards the back end of the season, maybe be able to take advantage of, um, you know, some of those uh, situations where people pay attention a little bit less. And maybe you can go after some of those two step starters and, and rack up some innings with the ratios already solidified. So, yeah, that's a, that's a good plan. I think that it's, it's key to know, like, I think it's good to know when you have that one category, you really need an overall, cause you can really focus on that for a while. And like you said, if you build up a bunch of saves, that's fine. You can always kind of, you know, change your strategy last month of the year. But people are excited you're here. I got, to, I got a couple of questions for you. First of all, um, good human Rob DiPietro says hi to you. He's excited that you're here in all caps. You got a little Rob DiPietro. Got, gotta love, gotta love Rob. Uh, let's see some questions here for you. Uh, you prefer Royce Lewis or Luis Matos, a new Giants outfielder. Uh, we'll be talking about him when we talk about Fab in a little bit. Uh, I'm, uh, I'd go Royce Lewis for this combo. Yeah, I'd go Royce Lewis too. He's got the multi-position eligibility with shortstop and third base. So he covers a lot of, uh, he, he has that roster flexibility. I'm not sure like how long-term Matos is when you look at his projection, it's pretty high for his batting average, but there's not a lot of power and not a ton of speed there. Um, you never know when people were kind of outrank their projections, but um, Royce Lewis is kind of a 2010 guy when you look at the projections. So I definitely go that direction and the batting average, I don't think will be too bad uh, for him as well. So I like him a lot. I picked him up on a team a few weeks back when he was available. Two outfielders for James is a uh, point league Buxton, Lamont Wade, Jr. Jorge Soler, Luis Matos and Lourdes Gurriel. Uh, I'm going. So I love Lamont Wade, but I'm probably going Soler and Buxton there. Yeah, you know, I don't do points league, so I'm a little out of my depth here, but I like your call as well. Um, they both play seven games as well, and I think when you're playing in, in a weekly format like that, uh, maximizing those plate appearances is really critical. Agreed, agreed. The Giants play seven also. I'd have to look at the handedness before I know about Lamont Wade. It looks like they're getting... They got six righties and one yeah, lefty. Say, Snell's the only lefty. Snell's been killing people. But Yeah, uh, yeah he's been I, really good. I like Lamont Wade a lot. I'd probably have to go with the other two, but uh, let's jump into that's a good, uh, good segue into looking at week 13. Uh, we do have a handful of teams with seven games, uh, Miami, Arizona, San Diego, San Francisco and Pittsburgh in the national league, Boston, Kansas city and Minnesota in the American league. We've got a bunch of teams this week, Toby with five games. So you want to uh, make sure you're looking at uh, looking at rosters and, and, and stuff there. The Cardinals, the Dodgers, the Cubs, the Angels, and Baltimore have uh, have five games. That's a lot of teams with five games this week. Um, how much did you look at that as you're looking at teams? It looks like uh, I think the Cardinals have two games off in the middle of the week. Uh, they're going to London, right? Is that why the, the Cardinals and Cubs are playing in London this weekend? They are, which is yeah. very unfortunate because I happen to have like a few Cubs and, and Cardinals on, on my lineups, and there's nothing worse than that that two-game uh, yeah. back end of the week that you can get there. But, yeah, that's really what I look at. I look at um, – you know, what, how many games are people playing? There are those players that are kind of in your roster or in your lineup every single week. And you just kind of set it and forget it. But then there's that, that grouping that's kind of, 
you know, sometimes in there, sometimes not your streamers. And so I'm really looking at plate appearances. I'm looking at the splits, like you mentioned, like, you know, I have Lamont Wade on a few teams. And so looking about him, will he be able to fill in my corner, corner infield spot there? And it moved from, it was two righties, two lefties. And then I think Weathers is no longer scheduled to start. I think they're um, putting Nick Martinez into the rotation or at least as an opener there. And so that made me feel good about it. So just examples like that, where you do that. And with two games in the first part of the week, those guys are generally going to be on my bench unless they're my truly yeah. elite bats. I agree there too. And when it's a two gamer, I'm taking most of those guys out unless it's the elite guys. And I'm not taking those dudes out. Although I took out fringy, uh, Christian, like got a guy right on the edge of that Christian Yelich this week. And he homered like in his second at bat and he had two hits and I was just like, I give up. I'll, I'll put him back in. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things I played a four gamer for him. Like it's the right play, but it's still frustrating. when It doesn't work. Out I had that exact well. scenario happen on the team that I share with Brian Slack. And we were both like kind of celebrating in our minds. And then I checked the roster and I was like, Oh my gosh, we're not playing him. Yep. Like, oh, it's yeah, he's one of those guys you have in, you know, probably, you know, 51 of the 52 periods if he's healthy. It's just like, it's like the one that I saw the homer. I was like, all right, I'm going to just turn off Milwaukee box scores until Friday. Um, who, was there anybody, any teams you were really focusing yeah. on in terms of trying to attack schedules this week? I had, I really like the Marlins this week. They have three against Toronto, four against Pittsburgh. Uh, the Padres look pretty nice with four at the Giants, three at Detroit. The Twins look good. The Nats are kind of sneaky this week, three against the Cardinals, who have become a really bad team all of a sudden. Uh, one against Aragon, three against the Padres. I thought they were a little bit sneaky, and that's a team you could actually pick guys up on too. Uh, were there any offenses you really were trying to find some streamers on this week? Who do you like on, on this week on offense? Yeah, just really trying to maximize those seven gamers. So if yeah. there are players that are kind of um, on the wire who were on – you know, the twins, for instance, I think the twins play seven right-handed pitchers. So especially when you have both those seven games and then you have, you know, a number of guys who are, it's like all righties or all lefties, and you're able to really see where those platoon splits are going to hit. Um, somebody just threw in the chat, Victor Robles. He was on a bunch of my lines as well, coming back on the teams that I was short on steals. You know, those seven, those seven games can really make um, a huge difference. I think one of the challenges in, I play mostly 15s. And in those scenarios, any of the guys that you really want to play on those teams that have seven games are generally gone. Yeah, for sure. One team, one team that I, tr that I looked at was actually thinking about next week and the back end of this week was Colorado. You know, they go back, they have nine straight games um, at Coors, including the back end of this week um, and uh, all six games next week. And so trying to get them now, instead of trying to get them next week, some of those guys that may get a little bit of playing time. I wasn't able to be that successful, but I did get Mickey Moniak and he's going to have two out of three in Colorado. So with the way outfield looks and 15 teamers, yeah, that's what you got to settle for sometimes. And the nice thing with the Rockies is they have three at Cincinnati to start this week too. So they're going three at Cincinnati, then nine at home. It's a really good stretch of games for them. Uh, yeah. Moniak is uh, Moniak's an interesting one. I, I, I was looking at that too. And you're right. Outfielders and 15s are tough. I have one team, one main event team where I have like two outfielders and I cannot fill those spots. I'm like cycling every week. I'm like, I got to try and hit on somebody and I'm hoping to get there at some point, but man, I'm cycling between some bad outfielders. It's uh, it's rough on the back end trying to find anybody getting at bats. And I just, uh, I keep cycling through hoping I'm going to hit on one, some guys I want to keep. It's that Houston platoon in the outfield, right? Where you're like, oh. do I go with Jake Myers, yep. Corey Jolks or uh, Chad McCormick, uh, Chaz McCormick uh, this week? You know, that's what I feel like with my outfield on a couple teams for sure.
funny you said that. I've had jolks off and on that team, I think, like three times, too. So, yeah, it's the it's the same kind of spot. Um, let's see. Yeah, some six-gamers. You mentioned the Rockies. I do like the Jays a lot this week, too. They're three at Miami and then three against Oakland. You know, we always want to attack Oakland pitchers these days. Uh, pitching a little better. Hogan Harris was, was really good this week. But for the most part, you still want to attack those pitchers. They do get Kevin Gossman. Um, so it's a little tough on the front end there, but uh, Kevin Gossman's on their team, so they do not face him. I meant they face Sandy Alcantara uh, in that uh, game. It's it's Gossman Alcan- Alcantara. Uh, good uh, good movement into some players I want to ask you about. I want to ask you about Alcantara. Do you? Uh, this is a crazy. I mean, this is a second rounder, a guy who won the Cy Young last year. He has the fourth worst ERA among sixty six qualified starting pitchers. Um, we're in the middle of June, so it's not like he had three bad starts. Like it seems like every start. He pitches a couple of good innings that has all that one blow up inning. He, like he faced the nationals this week and gave up, he had 10 hits and five earned runs. You have five to the A's uh, like uh, about uh, two weeks ago too. What, uh, how do you feel about Alcant- Alcantara? I always mess up his name and how, what are you doing with him? Like obviously you just keep starting him unless you're in the shallowest of leagues, but uh, do you feel like this is uh, some bad luck in here? How do you feel like uh, his odds are of turning this thing around? Yeah. Um, you know, I don't have any Sandy this year. Um, I think it's one of those situations where if you combine this year with last year, you're probably looking at close to what his true right. skill set is. And I think that's one of the challenges when a guy has a season like Sandy had last year. And I think we see this all the time where you're like, how is this guy, you know, the projections don't like him as much, or, you know, you see all the reasons why he's going to continue to be successful and continue to do what he's done because he was so good last year. But I think he got so lucky in so many areas last year that it really kind of um, papered over some of the flaws that he has. I mean, the strikeout rate has never necessarily been elite. Um, and so he's he's having balls be put in play. And the reason he was able to go so long in so many games last year is because he was able to maintain, you know, that low BABIP, not giving up a lot of home runs, facing fewer batters. He had his lowest rock rate by far last year um, as well. And so all of those things kind of combine to give him the volume that he had, which was just kind of unprecedented in, in today's game. Um, and then now that you see him giving up those hits though, the innings are a little bit longer. There's more, there's a higher pitch count. More of them are falling in. And so I really think when you combine the two years, you're probably getting a good sense of Sandy, which is still a very good pitcher, but more of like a three to three, five ERA guy um, with a little bit of an elevated um uh, with a decent whip, but again, not in like the greatest situation with Miami for wins. So um, I think he's been unlucky this year, was lucky last year. He's probably the combination of the two. Yeah, I think that's a pretty, a really good way to put it. I mean, you look at his uh, his strand rate's like 60% right now. Like that's a pretty absurdly low strand, but career is like 73%. But if you're in a trade league, are you doing everything you can to try and uh, try and buy low on him? How do you kind of feel on that? Yeah, I definitely think that it's a situation where if you can take advantage of it, you know, the challenge always with the, uh, the buy low is like the guy who's got him is maybe like, yeah, I want to get rid of this guy, but also like, I can't get rid of him now because I was relying on this guy for 200 innings. Um, I think he's definitely gonna get better. You mentioned that you mentioned the strand rate. The one thing that I'll say again is like last year it was at 78.8% and his career is 73%, right? So what does it probably end at? Like probably like 68, 70% this year. Um, you know, the K's should be there a little bit, a little bit higher. He's at 19.4%. The swinging strike rate, um, is decent. Um, the in in zone contact rate is decent as well. So I think those will go up a little bit too. Um, so all in all, I think he'll be fine moving forward, but it is incredibly frustrating. You see him get these matchups like against the A's and I can't remember who it was this week, but it wasn't a great team. 
And you're just kind of like, come on, man, like pull it together. I, I, I'm not saying that, but I know that his owners are saying that out there. Yeah, no, it was it was the Nationals earlier this week, and the you know same kind of thing. Uh, good point by Timothy Tunks in the chat. They do have a pretty poor defense in Miami. A lot of a lot of second basemen, a lot of guys who probably should be DHing. You know, the outfield is not great, so uh, you know probably not getting help there either. You know, the, the Marlins are overall playing really well, but uh, yeah, the defense is not uh, not especially strong. It's wild that the Marlins are ten games over five hundred with Alcantara having a, an ERA in the bottom five in baseball. Like if he gets going. Um, this team could be pretty good and and be uh, be pretty solid in the squad race. I don't know if they're going to necessarily challenge the Braves, who uh, are pretty easily the best team in the National League. If you look at run differential, you look at uh, record. Um, you know they're 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 pretty much smoking the entire field in the NL. They have their plus one hundred run differential. Nobody else above above plus plus fifty. Um, Toby, know who the second highest run differential team in the National League is? It's got to be the Reds, right? It's not the Reds. They started out too slow. It's actually the San Francisco Giants, plus 48. Um, really? They, That's they, fascinating. They swept uh, swept the Dodgers this weekend to pass them. It was the Dodgers for a long time, and the Dodgers were up there. But Dodgers are in third now. Uh, Giants are coming right now. They are they are moving. They got a lot. They call, they call up all their young guys. Um, they've rapidly gone from a super boring old team to a really pretty, pretty, fun, uh, pretty fun young team. I don't know how they're good. It's one of those years like – Kind of all their years in the World Series, like how is this team this good? But uh, here we are again, and they're playing really good ball right now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, yeah, it's it's fascinating. I had no idea that they were doing that well. Um, but when you put together some of their pitchers, I mean, Webb's yeah. had a really good season so far. Yeah. Um, Descalfani's been, you know, better than you would expect him to be as well. Cobb has obviously been really good. It's a bummer that he's. Yeah. Um, going to the IL, they have a really strong bullpen. I was actually looking at that this week and, you know, Taylor Rogers has really turned it on. He's been absolutely phenomenal over the last little bit. And then putting together though, that, you know, they just platoon the heck out of you, which is frustrating for fantasy. But yep. when you have players like Lamont Wade, I mean, who's just legitimately a really good patient hitter, um, with a little bit of pop, it's, it's, uh, I guess it, it results in something good and that's what we're seeing. Yeah. Um, speaking of the National League West, uh, there was a lot of talk in the preseason uh, about Corbin Carroll. He was the he was the hot uh, hot helium guy. He moved up a lot in drafts. He was like kind of a mid to late third rounder. By the time we got to Vegas, um, dude has a chance at the NL MVP right now. The the Diamondbacks are leading the West. They're ahead of the Giants. They're ahead of the Dodgers. Uh, Carroll's got uh, what he's got: fifteen home runs, nineteen steals, hitting three hundred seven. Um, sky's the limit for this dude. What are we, what are we looking at uh, in drafts next year? Is it like a top like eight pick top five pick? What are we talking here? Yeah. I mean, I think it depends on obviously how he, he finishes off the season. Right. Um, he's riding a high Babbitt, but that's what he's had so far in his major league career. And it's not like a three forty. like it's probably a little bit higher than you're going to get. Um, but still it's, it's, uh, you know, it's not, it's not outrageous. Um, it's not Tim Anderson levels Babbitts, although he, he's been able to maintain those a little bit too. The home run per five ball rate looks pretty big. He's got uh, 15 homers on 19 barrels, which is a, a metric that I like to look at just to see how sustainable um, somebody's power looks. So it may be that is he's that, doing... uh, is that about right or where is that a little is that high? No, that's high. Yeah, okay. so that's above 75 percent. Um, okay. League average is generally like 58 to, six, oh, okay. to low 60s percent, depending on the season and, and the bounciness of the ball. But um Obviously, I think the the benefit of a guy like him is just that even when he's getting on base, you know, he's racking up steals. Uh, the Diamondbacks have, you know, they're not the best lineup, but, you know, they're a tough lineup to face. And they're another team that likes to take advantage of those platoons and 
They've got some players that are really making like Ketel Marte's having a really nice season after a couple, couple down seasons. So we'll see if they're able to kind of maintain that. And Carol's able to maintain it a lot, but I'm totally wrong on him. I have him nowhere. I'm, I'm usually one of those skeptical people who's very skeptical of the rookies, um, right. you know, for reasons that we've seen like Jordan Walker and, um, um, and others, but you know, sometimes they hit and when they do, and they have a skill set like he does, they can be real phenomenal contributors. Yeah. I had to look, I know that MJ Melendez is on the flip side of that home runs or barrel. He has 20 barrels and six home runs. So that's a, uh, that's a pretty wild mix. Uh, part of that's playing in Kansas city. Part of that's it, probably it, a little yeah. un- unlucky too, but uh, you mentioned Tim Anderson. Uh, his, he's been one of the bigger busts. I know there's a lot. What of does busts. he do, Scott? Exactly. I'm trying to figure out what Tim Anderson does right now. And I'm not sure. Aside from drive me crazy. Yeah. I like, I, uh, I took him over Wander Franco in the Vegas uh, main event league. And that's just like, I mean, that's like a crippling mistake right there. Like, it's just, you, I don't know how you come back from that. Cause Anderson has no home runs. He's hitting 250 right now for a, whatever he was fifth, sixth round pick, like brutal. What do you, he had, he has a short, sore shoulder right now too. He missed the game today, but it sounds like he's not going the outside to be okay. But um, what does one do with someone? Like, this is all a question I, I get a lot in, you know, this time of year in fantasy. Like, I drafted this guy in the fifth or sixth round. I tend to be maybe a little stubborn with those guys. And I've tried to get better at that. Where I, I every once in a while I look in August and I'm like, why am I playing this guy? And why have I been playing for two straight months? Um, do you bench Tim Anderson and kind of look for look for a light at the end of the tunnel here? Maybe he starts to get hot. And if he misses a few, a, a home run or two or a couple steals, like, oh, well. Um, or do you keep playing him? Are you stubborn? What do, what do you usually do with someone like this? Yeah, I really think it depends on what your options are, obviously. Like, um, for me, I actually benched him in two leagues this weekend. Um, and I'm going to start benching him more. I think one of the things that I think what kind of level player are we talking? Um, gosh, I mean, I, you know, I think I'm pretty flush at, at, um, uh, I think I bench him. I mean, not like that flush, but like Dansby Swanson, Javi Baez, um, that type of player, the challenge. And this is something I dropped Gene Segura pretty early on. And I think one of the challenges with the new ball, right. Is like the newer new ball or whatever's the new ball, right. The bounce your ball home runs being up batting average being up generally as well is those guys that we loved like Anderson who contributes in batting average, who contributes in speed as his primary categories. When those guys in this environment, they're devalued, I think significantly because you can't have those guys that are giving you those low single digit home runs in an environment like this. And his batting average is not going to be as valuable, even though it is, you know, he has been really bad since he came back. Um, from his injuries. So I factor that in and wondering if it's there, but the dude's got zero home runs. And then when you look at his barrel rate, like he's got six barrels, 3.6% barrel rate. So, I mean, he should have at least a few in there, but um, he w- hasn't really been stealing either. I think it was his, was it his knee or his ankle that he messed up um, when he went on the IL? He did steal a base this weekend um, yesterday before um, he got injured. And so maybe there's some hope there, but Right now, I just don't see what he's contributing. He doesn't get on base very often, so the runs, even in a good lineup, are not elite necessarily. And so um, right now, it's just a combination, and I want to see a, a player who's good or a player who's got four games versus three games or you know, so on and so forth. I was going to make a snide comment about you putting Dansby Swanson and Javier Baez in the same sentence, and I looked at their numbers, and they're actually really close. Oh, are they? Yeah, Dansby got off super hot. You know, we talk about home runs per barrel. Dansby Swanson, uh, Ryan um, Bloomfield does the Bloom Boards, which are fantastic. And he put out a home runs per barrel one. And the lowest guy was, it's actually two guys who started off so hot. 
Um, Dansby started off really hot, but he's got the lowest home runs per barrel. Um, uh, and then the second worst is Ryan, uh, Brian Reynolds. I think who came out the gate had like five home runs right off the bat and only has two home runs over the last two months or something like that, including one today. So, um, you know, it's, it's one of those, uh, yeah, with guys like that, I'm hopeful that that will, um, that that will turn around. There are certain parks, like you mentioned, where guys will have lower, um, home runs per barrels. Um, one of the places is, is tigers uh, is Comerica. So I'm always mindful of that, but I, I think those should turn around. I think we'll see a home run run for Reynolds and for Swanson here pretty soon. It's just funny how you get something stuck in your head. I'm just like Swanson's much better than Baez. And I looked and yeah, they're, they're, their counting stats are pretty close. They each, have, he has Baez has five homers, five steals. Zanzi's only seven and four uh, higher batting average, but they're actually uh, a lot closer than I thought they would be. Uh, yeah. Swanson has 25 barrels and seven home runs. That's uh, yeah. we mentioned MJ Melendez. That's right in there at the similar percentage. Um, funny that uh, someone just asked in the chat about Wilson Contreras. He was actually my next guy to talk about. He has been in a brutal slump lately. Um, he's hitting 118 since May 18th. I just went a month back to see how bad it's been. We're hitting 118 a month back. He does have five home runs over that stretch, but hit 2-0 run right now, eight home runs. That does have five steals, which is obviously really big at the catcher position. You just don't get that. Um, how do you feel about Contreras uh, right now, kind of struggling in his first season in St. Louis? Yeah, I mean, you always got to factor in like how much the pressure is playing on him. He got off to such a bad start just in terms of like the media and his manager. Like, I don't know what Ali Marmal does in St. Louis and why he still has a job. But um, the guy loves to throw players under the bus like he's really, really good at it, especially a guy in like the first year of a mega deal. You know, it's like you're going to have this guy for a while. You may want to just like, you know, he seemed like he was pretty good uh, previously. Um, just taking a look at him, like the Babip is low. So he's getting unlucky with the 236. Um, Babbitt, he's also like a high ground ball rate guy, so there's not really a, a clear reason why that should be happening. Um, his contact rate is actually the best that it's ever been um in any season so far in his career at 74% his overall contact rate. So it's not that you know, he's chasing um a little bit. His home runs per fly ball is low. But he's got 18 barrels, and what does he have? He's got eight home runs, so he's yeah. a little off track there. So if you if you give him 12 home runs instead of the eight, you know, and you add those as hits, he's not too far off of where he is. And these things can still turn around really quickly. So I'd say there's nothing in the profile that really jumps out to me. His ground ball rate is actually lower than it usually is. So I think he's he's fine. He'll be a guy that kind of surges in the second half. Would be my guess. Yeah. And he's a catcher. There's nothing you really can do about him anyway, except keep running him out there. But uh, it's just uh, it's it's tough that it's been such a rough last month. Um, a guy who's on the on the flip side. Funny you talked about guys who are like you know guys I never take out of my lineup. Uh, Whit Merrifield was someone that I was like a fringy guy for me to start the year. Like oh you know some weeks I'll start him. Depends who they're facing. The hand in this pitcher. He was sitting a bunch. Um, he's been really good lately. Three fifty six over last month. He was hitting second this weekend for the Jays. Obviously that is a prime spot hitting. You know whether between Springer and Vlad or Springer and Bo, whatever it may be, moving up that lineup is pretty significant. Uh, what are we looking at with Witt? I mean, he's never a guy who hit the ball hard. But he's at 18 stolen bases. He's already topped his stolen base total from last year. He had 16 last year. He's almost halfway to that 40 mark in 2021 that pushed his price way up last year. And obviously last year was a big letdown for a lot of people. Not a home run guy. He only has two home runs. Uh, how do you think, what do you feel about Merrifield right now? Is this, is this a kind of a, a Babbitt-driven dream right now? Do you think he can he can kind of hang in there? The stolen bases seem to be back. Uh, he's been pretty valuable for, especially where, he's, where he was drafted, second base outfield eligible, which is really nice with Merrifield. 
Yeah, I think it's probably pretty Babbitt driven. I mean, the batting average is never going to hurt you, but he's above 300. He's got a 361 Babbitt, which is well above where he usually is. And I mean, it's like, it's easy to just say like, oh, it's Babbitt driven. But I think the challenge with a guy like Witt is, you know, when that batting, when that Babbitt dips, he's not going to be getting on base. He's yeah. not going to be stealing bases. He's going to drop down in the lineup as well. The power is like, you know, he's got two homers on six barrels, I think, but his max EV is down three miles per hour. So he's just not hitting the ball as hard. He's probably just focusing on contact, which again is totally good while, while you're kind of focused on it. And with what he's already done this season, if he hits 260, 250 rest of the season, he's still going to end up at 275 and yeah. um, in a pretty good spot. So I think you're feeling really good about having him. You know, I, he wouldn't necessarily be a guy. He'd be a guy where once he starts to strut, I mean, it could, it could be, it could be bad. Yeah. I think. And yeah, that's a, it's a good point too. Like you, you got to ride these streaks while there. And he's, he's the point now where I just leave him in every week, but he's someone that I look at every, every period or whatever, you know, the half weeks in the NFBC and kind of check where he's at, but uh, he's been, he's been really good and really valuable and a, a team that needs steals. I mean, he's been, he's been huge for that. Cause it's just a, a source you were you know, maybe hoping to get 25 from. We're already kind of already kind of there. Uh, last thing I want to ask you before we jump into Fab, uh, Aaron Nola is uh, is kind of yeah. all over the place these days. I know you're you're really good at uh, at breaking down pitchers, so I wanted to ask you about Nola. Uh, where are you on him right now? Because it kind of feels like we're always in the same place with him. You know, obviously, so good, and we look at everything, and it all looks really good. And then you look at the ERA and WHIP, which you know obviously matter to us. The WHIP's good; it's under one one, but the ERA is four point six. Um, he does have the six wins, but where are you on Nola right now? As we kind of jump into uh, almost the second half here. Yeah, where am I on Nola? I'm trying to figure out whether to start him this week at home against Atlanta. It feels really, really scary. And uh, the, but he, the, the strikeouts are way, strikeouts like are strikeouts are way down. Yeah, I mean he's been better recently with the strikeouts. Um, at least my um my page was not uh, loading here, or it's loading incredibly slowly. So I don't have his metrics in front of me. I have him in one league, and it's kind of been the bane of my existence, but. It's one of those things. I mean, I wish I could just give the super easy answer, which is it's a, it's a, it's an odd year, and he does well one year, and then he yep. does poorly the next year, and well one year, and then poorly the next year. Um, but um, yeah, okay. So I have it in front of me right here. Um, so just looking at him, you know, like the swinging strike rate is actually like in line with what it usually is. The walk rate is a little bit up. He's getting fewer chases on pitches outside the zone in zone contact rate is up as well, but I wouldn't be surprised if you took a look at like the last five games or so that that's improving. He got off to a really slow start in that department. Um, he's got a 61.9% strand rate. So he's in the San Diego Contra zone there. Um, so hopefully he'll get out of that. And then a 1.43, um, home runs per nine, um, is going to doom you in that league where, um, so he had a four, six, three ERA and a one, one, three whip with 223 strikeouts in 2021. Yep. So the last odd year, you know, it looks, uh, remarkably similar to that without, uh, so much of the strikeouts, but I think that those will come. I think the, um, the strand rate will help out a little, it will improve a little bit. So I'm hopeful that we're going to get, you know, closer to what we were, we were thinking we were getting with him. He's one of those guys where you're really hoping he goes on that streak of like four or five starts yeah. where he gives up one or zero earned runs. And all of a sudden you look and he's back at a three, five, uh, Zach Wheeler did that recently where he was, I think he had that, uh, awful outing three starts ago. And then he's given up, I think one earned run in his last three starts and he's back to kind of. Um, where we expected him to be. So I'm hopeful that that'll, the same thing will happen to Nola, but it's really tough. He gives up a lot of, he gives up a yeah. lot of home runs um, and that's tough. 
You are you are right on the on the on the strikeouts lately. He has uh, the last three starts done twenty innings with twenty eight strikeouts, so maybe that's uh, that's a good sign there. Uh, the velo's down a little bit, but still kind of in the same range. He's ninety two on the fastball. He's ninety two point six last last year, ninety two point seven the year before, ninety two four the year before. That. So it's kind of in that same range, down a half tick maybe, but I don't think that's a big concern. So um, if I'm you, I'm throwing him against Atlanta unless I have like the world's greatest pitching staff and you you have someone really good there. But I think I'm probably throwing him. I just uh, I'm not ready to bench him quite yet. Yeah, he has a 22% K-minus walk rate over his last um, five starts. So I think he's getting there. Um, It's just been that one big inning with him. It always is. Like last start, he's cruising, gives up four runs, and you're like, "Ah, I can't stand this guy. Then he finishes with seven seven innings and four earned runs and nine strikeouts. You're like, oh, okay, I guess it's all right. I saw multiple. Am I dropping Aaron Nola posts like on the end of after the first inning last week? And I'm like, no, a not dropping him, and b he he polished it up pretty nicely. But uh, yeah, I mean the Braves are obviously really good, but I think uh, I think I'm probably starting that. But, yeah, I've uh, got I've got to. I'm a projections person, and when you yeah. have like a guy who's projected as a top fifty starter and a fifteen, you got to go with it. Do you do uh, do you rank rank all your, do your projections for the week, and then you have them ranked? Is that how you uh, kind of go about it? How how strict are you with that? Yeah. Um, it's more as, as kind of like a guide. Um, so I'll, I use Razzball weekly, um, projections. And yeah, so I'll take too. a look at those and, um, you know, kind of see, you know, what it really, what I think it's been, what's happened that's been really beneficial is really realizing the difference between the home and road. You know, um, when you look at a guy's projections, um, on a weekly basis, especially pitchers, like there's a real difference between home and road. And it really, I, in my experience, we could, take a peek, but it really seems to bear out. And it's like, it's a game of inches. And so when you're getting those calls, when you're at home, you know, um, that you wouldn't be getting on the road, like that makes a really big difference. And so, um, that's what I oftentimes will look at. Like I probably wouldn't do NOLA at, um, at, at the Braves, but, um, I I'll, I'll probably do that home start. Uh, question in the chat. Angela mentioned the cards have two off days this week. We did cover that earlier. They do. They they're going to London, so they have two ga- days off to kind of travel and all that. Playing the Cubs this weekend. Uh, you mentioned you have Goldie and Arenado. I'm starting Goldie and Arenado in all those periods anyway. So I think those. I mean, a five game period. I assume you mean a weekly league. Uh, I'm starting those guys with five anyway. So I, I wouldn't worry about that. It's more the fringy guys that I, that I worry about and then try and get them out. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, let's talk about let's talk about Fab this week. It was the first week in a while we didn't have like that big one stud rookie. Uh, you know, it's been a, it's been a pitcher a bunch. It was Ellie De La Cruz. There's been a lot of big names. 
there were a couple in there. I was uh, I was surprised by one starter that that went got pretty popular. We'll talk about it in a second. But let's start with hitters. Um, you know, I think Bo Naylor, uh, catcher in Cleveland, uh, the, the the Guardians uh, DFA'd uh, Mike Zunino. Uh, Bo Naylor got called up. He was 60% rostered in the main event. Uh, how do you feel about Naylor? Do you have him available in any of your spots? And if so, what would you do with him? Or what did he go for in, in your leagues if where he was available? Yeah, you know, I didn't. I don't think I had him available in a single league. I didn't um, either. Yeah, so it wasn't it wasn't super helpful. Um, you know, I think he's fine. Um, I think the thing about the rookies is that we have like uh, we have this um, we see the ceiling or, or we see the floor, right? It's like very rarely that we see kind of the in between. Naylor, you know, the projections have him as kind of like an eighteen and nine guy as a catcher hitting two forty three in Cleveland with. 75 and 75. I mean, that's, that's fantastic. And, you know, with uh catcher has been kind of up and down this year. So I could see going after him strong if you really have are missing on catcher, but you know, like there's a couple other players. Um, there's Jorge Alfaro, you know, I, I don't know if he played today or not, but he had played three of his first four games with the Rockies. The Rockies have a really nice schedule coming up, even though they're not playing seven games. They got that Ant Cincy, and then they've got the nine straight at, at Coors. There's Yiner Diaz as well, um, who's been playing almost every day with the Astros. So there's some other options that were probably cheaper. But, um, you know, I could see going after Naylor if that was kind of a weakness that you had on your team that you wanted to fill. He got uh, he was picked up in 21 leagues, the main event. So probably every league, that's probably just the math, right? That's probably 40% of the leagues. Uh, the range was eight to 158. So there was obviously a huge range. I mean, usually that's that's a pretty big range right there. Only, especially when it was only 21 leagues. Usually when you get picked up in every league, there's going to be a big range. But uh, yeah, Naylor was, uh, there was some popular, uh, there was a lot of people who were stashing him too, which is always tough to stash that third catcher. There are people, some start, people starting him at second catcher, just figuring, you know, it's either that or taking a, you know, taking a, a hundred, a buck fifty average with a couple of home runs. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't have gone quite that high. I think I, I would have been on him if I didn't. I had he was taking all three of my main events, but uh, he was uh, he was definitely the biggest biggest name. Um, do you prefer her, him or or Yaner Yaner Diaz in in Houston, who's also uh, not only playing some catcher but kind of moving around, uh, getting some other at bats across the line, playing some DH with with Jordan out. Uh, do you prefer uh, do you prefer Naylor or uh, or Yaner Diaz? Yeah, I would probably lean towards Zayner only because I've seen him do it at the major league level. I mean, when you look at his metrics, I picked him up in a couple places last week because it was unclear whether Elias Diaz was going to be going to the right. IL or not. And so um, with Zayner Diaz, I mean, you look at the barrel rate, it's really good. The contact rate is really good as well. He's in a good spot with um, with the Astros, obviously, and he's not hitting too far down that lineup. I think he's been like fifth and sixth um, this week and and playing almost every single day. So I'd probably go with Yiner just because I generally will lean towards like the reason why I'm not in on Carroll is because I see a lot of variance and I see him going higher in drafts. Right. And so I don't want to buy into that variance and get Jordan Walker, you know, like obviously Carroll can be great. Naylor could be great. He could also not be a major league caliber player. And we don't know. So the fact Yiner's done it for, for half a season now and has some really good metrics, I'd go with that. Yeah, Diaz was added in 18 leagues, a, a min of one and a max of 41. So uh, Naylor was definitely more uh, more popular. And I think the you know, the big name, bigger, big prospect kind of stuff. Uh, I probably lean lean Diaz at the moment also. Uh, we mentioned uh, the Giants a little bit earlier. They called up uh, their their prospect, Luis Matos, has been absolutely crushing it in the minors so far. Um, what did you do with Matos? So, you know, the, the, the key with the Giants, you mentioned earlier, we're talking about how well they're playing, but it's the, the platooning is is frustrating. We get a lot of that. 
There are a couple of core guys that they don't platoon, but the rest of the lineup they play they're in and out a lot. Um, you know, Matos is a righty, so uh, you know it's on the shorter shorter side of that platoon facing lefties. If, that, if that's the case, but uh, what did you do with Matos? Another guy where the, the the bids were all over the place. He was adding all fifty three in the main event league, so he was after, added everywhere. Uh, min was twelve, Max was one forty two. So the range I saw the range uh, pretty far and wide, but in my leagues it was pretty consistent. He was like right in the fifty to sixty to seventy range, kind of in that uh, that twenty dollar range in, in all three of my leagues. Uh, what did you do with Matos and how do you feel about him kind of moving forward, both playing time and, and kind of what he does when he does play? Yeah, you know, um, it's tough. I didn't do I didn't do much, honestly, but it's more a product of um, not having a lot of, of money left. Okay. I got Ellie in a few few different spots. And so nice. I'm down to 100 bucks or so. So he was on my li- my bid list. He was pretty high up, but just for a couple bucks because I don't have that much to spend. And again, like the rookie variants, like he, you know, there's, he could be absolutely phenomenal, you know, like he's got the skills, like you mentioned, like he was tearing it up. Uh, he actually has a really good projection batting average wise, I think 273, which you very rarely see with rookies, yeah. um, uh, you know, and a little bit of power and speed. And it could be one of those things where, you know, he gets you 10 and 10 instead of five and seven the rest of the season or, you know, whatever it is. So I like those guys that make a lot of contact and have a high batting average and can steal some bases because they do, they can help you out in a variety of different ways. Um, but I wasn't that aggressive because you also don't know what the giants, what, what exactly they're going to do with their platooning and, and um, working them in and out of the lineup. And, and it can get pretty crowded there sometimes when everybody gets healthy. So I wasn't super aggressive, but I can see why people were interested. Yeah, I was more in the 30 to 40 range, somewhere in there. And I just, it was, it was just a little too lonely. But the thing I like with Matos is he doesn't strike out a lot. At least it has not in the minors. Like the, they got the, the young guys who got called up that I really tend to worry about the ones that have, you know, big strikeout rates in the minors because that always jumps that first time through. And even his jumps, you know, is 16% uh, last year in, in high. Obviously, that's a huge jump up to the majors. But if that jumps to, you know, 23, 24%, you're all right. It's the guys who are like 27, 28 who jump in the mid thirties that always worry me. So I was interested. I, I'm kind of similar to you. I didn't have enough, didn't have enough money to fully go all in. And I just don't trust the giants to play him enough. Um, I think it's gonna be frustrating fantasy wise uh, for us to, to get him in the lineup. Um, if you need steals this week, uh, there's a couple of names here and they both happen to play for the same team. They both play for the Royals, uh, Samad Taylor and Dayron Blanco. Both are our burners. Uh, uh, Blanco was available or eligible in the outfield. Samad Taylor was eligible in the infield, second base eligible. So yeah, maybe it depended what position you needed, but uh, the Blanco stats are crazy. This dude has a ton of stolen bases. He has 40, 47 stolen bases in AAA in 49 games. Like I looked at that three times to make sure I wasn't, I wasn't reading that wrong. And it's funny. I think it was Ryan Bloomfield in his, uh, his uh, fab article that like, he wrote like, this is not a typo. Like actually he has, he has the 47 stolen bases. Uh, what'd you do with these guys? Are there any leagues where you really need steals? You were aggressive with these guys. They were popular in my leagues too. Taylor went over, I think over 30 bucks in all three of my leagues. So I missed him there. I did get Dyron Blanco in one league where I need stolen bases badly. Uh, what did you kind of do with these guys? Do you think they're going to play? Because I think the, the playing time is the big issue. The, the Royals just have kind of a, a lot of a lot of guys. Like none of them are studs, but just a lot of guys. Yeah, they do. Um, I was a little bit aggressive with Taylor. Um, I like him. Like if you plug him, like Blanco, I think could be really good too, but it feels like Taylor has a little bit more of that pedigree. I think Blanco is like 30. Yeah, he's 30 years old. So while he's like, he could be really good. I mean, Whit Merrifield was what, like 28 when he come up, came up or something like that. Like he could still be incredibly valuable this year. It just seems like he maybe isn't as much a part of their plans. And I watched him a few times uh, this week because he was playing against my Reds, you know, and so I got to <laughs> tune in uh, for all of those. Our, I love our, it our, like, re- our Reds, Toby, our Reds. Our Reds, our Reds. Yeah. I mean, when you got like McLean, uh, India, and Ellie, like 
three in a row, I'm always tuned in um, when that's happening. Um, but I saw him a couple times and honestly, like, didn't seem like he was hitting the ball real hard. Like a lot of just kind of like even his base hits were kind of little, um, I don't know. I, mean, I don't even know what to call them, honestly. Like they were like kind of jam shots to the right. opposite field. Um, and so I don't know whether he'll be able to hit major league pitching to get on base and then not knowing like exactly whether he's a, a big part of their plans or not, given his age, I was a little bit less aggressive with him, but Taylor seems like, you know, he's got legit pedigree. When you look at his, um, projection over 600 plate appearances, I think it's like 1536 or something like that. So wow. pretty, pretty, pretty good. Um, and so, or maybe it was nine and 36. I can't remember exactly, but. Um, it was pretty good. And so I was a little bit more aggressive with him. I was in the twenties with him in some places, you know, um, teens with him in some places. And I like the fact that I think he's playing outfield and he's got that second base eligibility, yeah. um, as well. And so down the road, he should get that. And there's no reason why they shouldn't give him some runs. So I may be kind of down on myself a little bit later on, um, thinking about not getting him. Cause there are a couple of leagues where I really do need steals. Yeah, it's funny you say that on Taylor because I went, I just, I saw him playing outfield. I just went to outfield and FBC, and he wasn't there. And I'm like, am I missing something? Like, is he not eligible? Did someone actually have this dude already? And then I realized that I just plugged his name. He was second base eligible. I was like, oh, there he is. So I, I actually preferred him to um, a little bit, showed a little bit of pop in the minors too. Like he had 16 home runs in 2021. He had six so far this year. So it's not like a dead um, pop guy, which is really nice. But 34 stolen bases and triple like how much is the triple a team in the in kansas city running like this is insane they got they got two guys over 30 bags already yeah yeah i i don't know they um they could use uh they could use some skill up in the major majors. so <laughs> glad to see them adding some some of those guys it's been nice to see like all the youth coming up recently like it's i true. joke about the the reds but you mentioned the giants like teams putting those guys in there and it really for the fans it makes it a, such a such a different game so yeah it has been a lot of fun like we talk about these guys a lot in fab and it's just been fun, fun to talk about these guys uh some of the chat asked mclean lamont wade or nolan jones this week uh the reds are home for six i'm playing mclean hitting second that lineup and kind of moving on but i'm biased because i i love matt mclean yeah for sure um i'd probably go mclean uh jones and then wade i do love wade but um, Jones is playing every day. They've got the three yeah. at Cincy and then the three in cores as well. But Maddie McLean, I mean, Maddie McLean, yeah. if I had to pick one player to go in my lineup this week, <laughs> it would be Maddie McLean. So at Maddie McLean or Ronald Acuna is where we're, where we're reaching at the, in the chat. That's, so I was good. telling my kids, I was like, this is Maddie McLean. He is the best player in baseball. Uh, just get used to it. Guys like that are so fun when they, you pick guys up and they actually do well. It's so much fun. Um, Benjamin in the chat is asking utility spot open. Who do I pick up? Uh, we need a few more names. You give us some names. We could probably pick somebody, but uh, not knowing your league, it's hard to just come up, come up with a bunch of names. So give us some names. We'll, 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 uh, we'll answer that one. Uh, Toby, anybody else in the outfield? Uh, you know, we mentioned Victor Robles is, is back. He's uh, you know, hits, hits down the order, but can run a little bit. Uh, Mike Talkman's leading off for the Cubs. I looked at his metrics and I, I got a little less excited than I was after I saw him leading off. Uh, Matt Veerling's playing really well in Detroit. He was only 23% roster in the main event. He was scratched on Sunday with back spasms, which you never love to see with a guy that, you know, part of his value is stealing. Uh, Michael A. Taylor got hit in the head today, but was with a curveball. It sounds like he's okay, but he's uh, putting up some power speed with bad batting average. I listed off a few names there. We got Edward Olivares, uh, Aaron Hicks. Uh, what, is there anybody else in the outfield kind of after the, you know, the Matos, uh, Blanco, the guys we already talked about? Is there anybody else in the outfield you were looking at? Oh man, this is, this is really painful. Scott, you're going to make me have to go through my, uh, my bid list on that one outfield team I was telling you about. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, Jake... I, I had a bad one too, where I got like the ninth guy on my list. It did not make me happy. Yeah. Uh, Jake Bowers. Um, they've got yep. 
uh, five out of six against righties, including the first half of the week um, against them. Jesse Winker came back. He's hit second uh, both nope, times. I mean, do like, I don't Pass, feel good about move it. Move on, move yeah, on. Yeah, 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 totally. Uh, Jake Myers, I think I actually won him. He's actually been playing a decent amount. Um, yep. You know, he's been playing, I think, three out of four. He's been playing the most out of that outfield group, but still, like, I think he's got close to 200 plate appearances, but by now, and he's got like six homers and three steals. So, you know, it's nothing to uh, write home about. Um, Chaz McCormick, Luis Matos, uh, Billy McKinney um, is playing oh, for the you Yankees. Are, you are really, you are really digging. Oh, God. Will Benson. I mean, Will Benson's actually looked really he good, has, but the problem yeah. is, you know, they only got six and they've got one lefty. So you're only getting two games. He's sitting at the back end of the lineup. You know, he's not near Matty McClain and, you know, that's <laughs> can't, can't get the like goodness to rub off on him. Uh, Veerling, you mentioned he was at the top of my list heading into this week, but with the back spasms after being on the IL with yeah. the back at you and needing an outfielder that I can actually make sure I can plug in this week, I couldn't go with him. So he's, he'd be a really good one. He's been hitting the ball. Great. Stuart yeah. Fairchild's another one that actually has been really good and playing pretty much every day for the Reds, but, um, he's also been injured. I had Blanco, I had Mickey Moniak. Um, who I did end up getting in in at least one league as well. They've only got the two two games first half of this week, but then two out of three against a righty yeah. in Coors. But it's pathetic out there. <laughs> it's it's rough. Anybody in the infield you liked? Uh, you know, John Birdie was seventy nine percent roster in the main event, but he's getting a lot of a lot more playing time with with Gene Segura out. Uh, Garrett Cooper in Miami, forty uh, percent roster in the main event. Uh, he hits the middle of the lineup. He's always just kind of blah, and then he gets hurt. Uh, was there anybody else in the infield you liked? Because I found it, uh, I found it tough after after Samad Taylor had a couple of interesting, uh, you know, guys that were like one off guys available in leagues. But I, I found the infield kind of uh, kind of blah this week too. Yeah, um, I, I did too. I mean, hitters this whole um, this whole time have been pretty yeah, rough. Been um, one guy that I've liked is is um, I mean, he's actually outfield eligible. He was eligible. He was available in a couple leagues. It was uh, was Paven Smith. He's got um, seven righties this week uh, yeah. after having a bunch of righties. Other infield names: so Elahiris Montero. Again, I'm not like usually with teams I'll look and I'll be like, Hey, is there a pattern to the way you're playing these people? Like, is it a platoon thing? Is it not with the Rockies? You just yeah. don't know. So like, that only, that only works for 29 teams. Yeah. Right. Like Montero just doesn't, it doesn't really make sense. Um, uh, Coco Montes um, is another one. I did see that Ezekiel Tovar. I think he's going on paternity leave. He left the game early today to be with his wife in labor um, so maybe Coco Montes gets a little bit of more of a run there. Um, but again, these are guys that I really don't feel confident they're going to play three out of three, uh, probably two out of three at, a, at the most. And so I, I wasn't overly aggressive with them. I'm pretty sure Ella Rios Montel just struck out twice while we were having that conversation yeah. about him. My God, that guy strikes out a lot. Uh, real quick question. Someone utility spot, uh, Jonah Heim, Carlos Santana, Jake Myers, Perdomo or Joey Weimer. Um, I'd go uh, Joey Weimer right now. He's uh, he's hot a uh, little bit, a little bit of power, a little speed. I'd probably just, uh, I'd probably ride that one of that group. I mean, I, I don't know what the brewers are doing quite honestly with yeah. Joey Weimer. Like Joey Weimer is 10 and 10, like his batting yeah. average is low, but his Babbitt's low. Like he is legit. One of their better uh, hitters, I think. And I'm not sure why he continues to bat ninth in that lineup, but yep. um, I would probably go Weimer as well, just because you have that power speed combo. Santana's got seven games. So that's, um, uh, that's a nice one. Um, you know, I so think, I don't mind. I, having I, think him San, I think Santana's fried. You think he's fried? 
Uh, just you look at you look at the hard contact right now, and it's just so far down. Like it was always like he would hit the ball hard, he would walk a bunch. Uh, you know, there wasn't uh, it wasn't a ton of pop, but enough that was okay. Uh, hard hit rates down eleven percent this year, down to thirty percent. His barrels have been cut in half. Um, I just think he's kind of just I think he's kind of fried right now. It was always like low batting average, low batting, but he hit the ball hard and it would work out. But um, I just think there's nothing there right now. I've uh, I, I he was someone that I had on list for a couple weeks, and I looked a little closer, and I, I'm not really not interested at all. Yeah, I, I think he's he's more of a volume play. He's got the yeah. six homers, five steals, but I agree he's not gonna he's the not f- dynamic like Joey the Weimer. Five is. the five steals are truly absurd, by the way. Oh, I mean, he's earned every single one of those. <laughs> it's the it's the one it's the one guy who's like really really uh, getting better with the bigger bases. We found as Carlos Santana of all people. Um, let's talk about pitching. I, I thought this week it's been a lot of pitchers to talk about the last few weeks. I thought this week was really rough trying to find pitchers. Um, Emmett Sheehan was the, I guess, the big name, a Dodgers pitcher, Dodgers rookie who came out and pitched really well in his first start uh, earlier this week. Um, but we've got issues here where we just don't know what they're doing in the rotation. Julio Arias is scheduled back probably in uh, like 10-ish, 10 to 12-ish days. As they mentioned in the next road trip, he's going to come back, which is like June 27th to July 2nd, if I'm remembering the, the math fully right there. But um, the thing that's freaked me out with Sheehan is just all the walks in the minors. Like usually that doesn't get better when you get to the majors. He's got a lot of walks in the minors. Um, I was in on Sheehan, but I was nowhere near uh, the price that he ended up going for in my league. So what did you do with him and, and how popular was he in your leagues? Yeah, I had him for like two bucks. Oh, wow. Online. So you're, I was going to say, I thought I was low and you were definitely uh, lower. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think like there's this, um, again, like, and I, and I'm, and I say this knowing full well, like we don't know who's going to be really good and who's not going to be really good, but we take these single starts, you know, and, and we put so much value into the number of earned runs they give up, but like, like she and his projection, the bat has him at four, eight, six with a one, three, six whip. Um, about a strikeout in an inning, which, which is good. You know, the, the best projection for him is probably steamer, which has him at four thirty-five with a one, three, three whip. So neither one is that playable really, unless you play the matchups, right. And take advantage of those. But you just look at the one game he had against big league competition. He had a 4.5% swinging strike rate, a 4.5% swinging strike rate. His O swing was 19.2%. His in zone contact was 92.3%. So like swinging strike rate, like good for a starter is probably like 11 to 12% or higher. Um, He was like a third of that, you know, in zone contact, like 92.3%, like think Luis Arias, like hitting, like that's the level of contact that he's giving up. And then the O swing at 19.2%, I honestly can't remember seeing uh, (laughs) uh, somebody below 20% in the O swing. But, you know, what it means is like, again, and it's one start, so things could be very, very different, but it means he's not getting guys to chase on pitches outside the zone. They're making contact with pitches when they swing inside the zone. He's not striking them out. And like you mentioned, he's got a history of walks. And so again, it could be totally different because I know he was dominant in the minors, but I just didn't really see a reason to be interested. Like, especially thinking about like the following week, he's going to be at Colorado. um, And I just can't see myself playing that. So the zero BABIP and the hundred percent strand rate are not going to hold up. And I think, uh, uh, he'll probably be just a, a flash in the pan at least this year. And again, I could be totally wrong. 
Yeah, he was uh, in my Vegas main event league, the the lead leaguer, uh, Zach Waxman, who's kicking all our butts at the moment, added him for 178 with a backup of 148. So, like, there was not only was he big on him, but somebody else that was really big on him, too. And I, I know that you may, may get to the point, like, right now, if you have a bunch of money, you might as well go, to, to go for it to Dodgers pitcher. He did, you know, the strikeouts weren't there, but they were there in the minors. I mean, he's a 42% strikeout guy in the minors. So, I do get it. Um, that was double A. Jumping double A to the majors is always a big jump. You know, some teams like to do that. Uh, we talked about, uh, I forget who it was. We talked about someone last week that jumps all their pitchers from 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 Double A to the majors. But um, yeah, I wasn't. Uh, I was in, but I was in like the twenties and thirties, and I was nowhere near. So that'll be an interesting one. I mean, he faces the Angels this week. Uh, the Dodgers, uh, and you mentioned the week after he should get to Colorado. So you know, if you're picking him up, you're throwing him against the Angels. Uh, see what happens there. Should be fun to see him match up against uh, Otani and Trout. Uh, what else you do at pitching? I found pitching really hard to find. Like a couple, like uh, you know, guys I had you know one offs that were available in some leagues, but there was not a lot available. I mean, Brian Wu is uh, was only sixty percent taken in the in the twelve or sixty percent roster the twelve teamers, but he was pretty much gone in the fifteens. He looked really good this week. I really wanted him, Scott. I really wanted him. I. I went. I could only go nine because I have whatever ninety bucks left in that. League. I hope. I hope he went for like ninety eight or something. For, he went for fourteen. I was uh, like, oh, I should have just done the fifteen. Yeah. I mean, of all the rookie pitchers, honestly, he has looked the best. Like, you know, Abbott. You know, he's gonna like his Babbitt's not gonna be one hundred for very long. Like, but from a skills perspective, Wu has actually looked the best. Like, even better than Bryce Miller, I think. Yeah, I pro I, I I'm a little biased because I, I saw Bobby Miller up close for the Dodgers and I really liked how he looked, but he got he got smoked this week. Um yeah, I mean you look at Wu, 37% strikeout rate, 4% walk rate. Like that's it's really nice. And it's funny because he the 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 hype went down because he got smoked in that first start. He got yep. he got crushed by Texas, who by the way crushes everybody. Their offense is unbelievable. But oh, you know, really since is. then since then, 16 strikeouts in 10.1 10, 10. innings. Uh, you know, he's given up a couple of, you know, three home runs in those starts. But yeah, the, the K to walk, if, you know, that's obviously a metric we all talk about, all look at. I mean, dude looks nasty so far. It's only 12 innings, but, uh, you know, he was in 44 double innings. He was 34% strikeout right there and only, you know, walk rate at 7%. So um, he looks pretty good. He throws his fastball a ton. I think people worried about that. Like, you know, it was a secondary stuff there enough to get outs. But um, yeah, he looks really good. Um, that's too bad you got uh, you got uh, outbid there because that would have been a nice ad. That's really good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I I put out a tweet uh, earlier this week, and I don't have my own podcast anymore, so I don't get to talk about these things right. that often. But I mean, of all the rookie pitchers that have come out, a lot of them have been successful and have been really highly sought after in Fab. And I'm not like excluding myself from this. I bid a bunch for Bryce Miller right. and other guys, but. From a skills perspective, none of them have really been all that good. And it will come back to get them over the course of the long season. Yeah. Like even Bobby Miller, Bobby Miller has looked good. Do not get me wrong. Like he's been really good. His BABIP is still at 243 and he's at a 0.31 home runs per nine. His home run per fly ball rate is 4.5%. <laughs> yeah. Now that's not going to hold up. That's not going to stay there, right? He's not really striking guys out. His strikeout rate is 24.6%. He's got the 11.4% swing strike rate, which is very solid. But the in-zone contact is 88.1%, worse than league average. The 24.6% K rate will drop just by the virtue of his BABIP going up. You know, so like once more balls get into play, then he's throwing more pitches. He's facing right. more batters and then the K percent drop. So again, these, all these guys could end up making a switch and being better, but what they've been so far has all been pretty much disappointing except for Brian Wu. It's funny. I was going to refute that with Tanner. And, Bybee. and Yuri, Yuri Perez. Maybe yeah. 
I was going to refute that with Tanner Bobby, and I looked, and you know, his swing strike rate's under ten percent, K rate's twenty two percent. Like I thought, he'd been a little better than that. Uh, he's been he's been good. He was he was pretty good again today. He did give up three runs, but got the win. But you're right, it's not been like dominant where like he's blowing people away. And I thought he'd been a little better too. So yeah, it's, that, that's that's. Uh, I think uh, yeah, we would have been nice for that. That's uh, you only played one twelve team. You said earlier that would, that's that's the one that's way up there. That would have been a sweet ad. Yeah. Uh, anybody else pitching wise? I really didn't have anybody else. Uh, Daniel Lynch throws twice this week. He's someone that uh, you know was obviously a huge prospect, and he's burned me so many Don't times. Do Don't do it! Don't do it! Don't do it! And the second starts at Tampa, so I uh, I kind of stayed away there too. The strikeout rate's under twenty percent. He's only thrown twenty three innings, but just I think he's still trying to come, uh, trying to get him all the way back. But uh, not a lot there either. The uh, either the Pittsburgh guys introduced out to throw, throw twice this week. Johan Aviedo is available in. Um, some 12 teamers, and then uh, I think it's Osvaldo Beto. Yes, Osvaldo Beto, 27 year old, uh, get uh, scheduled to start uh, Monday against the Cubs. Were you in any of those guys with two starts this week? I am not going there, Scott. I'm, I'm not, sorry. I didn't either. I'm just, I, I can't do it. I mean, honestly, like you are much better off throwing a elite relief pitcher. If you look at the percentage of chance, like uh, the process does a really good piece on this. When you look at the wins that these guys get, I mean, they're, they're winning like one out of five starts. So they're winning like one, one start a month, you know, and as a relief pitcher, you have just about as much of a chance to just lock into a win by getting a guy who throws in a high, um, relief situation. So, um, I'm, I'm really steering clear of those guys. If I see players that are jumping out like skills recently, they're much better than they would have been. Um, you know, like Colin Ray is an example of a guy who has actually been pretty good from a skills perspective the last five weeks. Um, he's not available in 15s, but he's a guy that was kind of on my radar. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, you say Kikuchi, I would have gone there with him probably this week just because he's got the best uh, two-step you could probably have. He's got at Miami, and then he's got a, at home against Oakland. You know, so those were some of the guys, but really beyond kind of Sheehan and, and putting a rudimentary bid there was a lot of kind of middle relief uh, type guys, you know, uh, teams that have seven. I mentioned... Uh, earlier like taylor rogers has looked really good recently yes. so trying to luck into either a random save or just some some good ratios there he's got seven there's the two minnesota pitchers uh griffin jacks and and brock stewart um who are both looking uh really good i picked up stewart i think in a couple leagues um just to be like that seven day fill-in uh type guy so that's kind of what i'm doing uh, when i when i'm in a situation where i got some real rough rough pitching outings yeah, I think that that's smart and and really good advice there. I looked at I always look at the two star pitchers to see if I'm missing something. I looked at Beto and I just saw his his walk rate last year in AAA and I just moved on. I was like a it was a very very quick move on there. I was like, oh yeah, I'm not gonna someone who's fringy and a walk guys. I don't want any part of that. Despite uh, you know the matchups look pretty good. As someone who started Luke, Luke Weaver in a league this week, I, I fully endorse the fact that uh, yeah, don't start these guys. It just doesn't oh, I, I went down that road too. I mean, he's on the Reds. I thought for a second like. <laughs> I, I was like, you want to know something? He's hanging out in the same dugout as Maddie McLean yep, and Ellie exactly. Dela Cruz. Like it's got to rub off somehow. We actually did a deep dive on, on kind of the thread that I'm in on him. And I was interested. And then I was like, oh, actually, I think this is just a matter of him giving up barrels that aren't being home runs yep. uh, for like a series of weeks. And so um, it was yeah. so bad because I tried to I tried to drop him. I had him in two leagues just like early. I wasn't even using him. He kind of had a couple of good starts. I'm like, I'll see what's got here. I'm going to keep him on the bench. I dropped him one, like tried to drop him in the other, and they came up for the two-star week. I'm like, oh, he's got Kansas City in there. I'll use it. And it did uh, 
it did not uh, it did not work out uh, very well there. It was not it was not great. But don't uh, worry, I went down the Tommy Henry route in one of my leagues. Like, you know, what was that this week or the week yeah. before? It was just like, oh god, and I didn't even get the two step out of Tommy Henry that that week. So. Yeah, that's the thing too. Like usually, you know, guys get pushed back, or they don't make that second start. It's uh, it, it's tough, and it, you make a good point on the middle relievers. So speaking of relievers, uh, has not been a lot of action in relievers, you know, in Fab, but we had a, a little bit of movement uh, this weekend. Um, Jordan Hicks in St. Louis uh, got two uh, two saves over the weekend. Obviously, Ryan Helsey's out. We don't fully know how long it's going to be. It doesn't sound too serious, but, you know, it's the forearm. It sounds like the scans came back, but he's not throwing for 10 days. you got to figure you know, it's probably another 10 days after that as he does a couple rehab stints, throws off a mound, all that kind of stuff that we always see. Um, Hicks was popular in my leagues. He went for, I think he was kind of, he was in the 60s in one league, in the 40s in another, but kind of in those those mid-double-digit ranges, uh, 55 in another. Uh, Jason Foley in Detroit uh, got the save, two-inning save today after um, – after Alex Lang got smoked again. I mean, he came in early and got smoked and, and fully had to save him. So not only did, did, did Lang not come in save situation, but he also was pitched really poorly. He gave up three runs and I think a third of an inning. So uh, fully made move there, moving forward there. You mentioned Scott McGuff. Uh, he was pretty much taken in all the main events. I think he was available in a few, but he was 35% roster in the 12 teamers. Uh, he was probably the, the best guy right now. He got a save today, which is good to see. He came in for two thirds of an inning. Uh, what'd you do with these three guys? I, I imagine Hicks is probably the most popular guy for most people. Yeah, um, Hicks. Hicks uh, was a guy. I got him in one league. I think where I, in my main where I needed um, saves. I think I went um, to sixty three, which which pains me to even say because I think there's so many different ways that it can not yeah. be there. Right? It could be Gallegos. Uh, it could be other situations. But I think I have fourteen saves in that league. So it's just uh, I'm in I'm in a little bit of a of, of rough shape. Um, so, but Hicks. I mean, if you look at him, if you look at his metrics over the last little bit, like we know the velocity's there, but this year has actually been in the last like 15 games or so, like his swinging strike rate has been pretty elevated. The K's have been there. The walks are always there. You're just hoping that it's a combination of ground balls and strikeouts that can kind of get him out of it. So it's still a little concerning, but you know, um, the Cardinals, uh, they have good defense behind him. They play in a good stadium. And so hoping that either, you know, he, I'm hoping he, Actually, I don't know how I feel because yeah, I've got the Helsley in the OC, yeah. but one yeah. of them has it. I've got Gallegos in another one of my leagues. So it's just like, ah, eh. however it works out, I guess I'll be happy in one spot. Um, but he's looked pretty good. And from a skills perspective, I'm not usually not in on him, but um, I think he's looked much better um, recently. Um, Foley, um, uh, I had him kind of lower down on some bid lists. Um, he does not strike out a lot of guys. He gives up a lot of contact, but he does give up a lot of ground balls. Um, and so, um, I think he's, he's kind of, uh, he's kind of fine. Um, and he could get it and run with it. And he could be one of those guys where you bid the $8 instead of the 63 for right. Hicks and you end up being like, oh yeah, guess what? Um, I, I won that one. So can definitely see that there. Um, and who was the third one? Sorry. Uh, well, first on Hicks, the thing with Hicks is it's always been weird because we always see him throw, you know, 120 or whatever the hell he throws. It, he, everything is gas, but the strikeouts have never really come along with it. It's always been weird. Like maybe it's just the sequencing or he tries to, get, you know, just get guys to hit the ball, whatever. He hits, you know, a ton of uh, a ton of ground balls too. It's like he just get, he gets a lot of ground balls. and But 
The strikeouts are there right now. He's a 35% strikeout rate in 29 innings, whereas he was, uh, you know, his career high was 28%. He was 22% in, in 2021, only a few innings, but last year he was 24%. So it's never been there. You take those and you take the walks, and it just doesn't work. But if he can get to 35%, and you mentioned he's even been in better lately, his last two outings, three strikeouts in each one, no walks in those. He's the one guy here that you could kind of squint and see him just take over this job. It seems like, you know, Gallegos and Helsey were kind of back and forth. And I really like Helsey as a pitcher. Has not been as good as he was last year. But I think that they like Gallegos, but I don't know how much they trust him in the ninth inning. Like, I, I feel like if Hicks pitched well for like two weeks, you could kind of line up where those other two guys set up and Hicks could take the job. Whereas I don't see that with a lot of the guys we pick up recently. I kind of think Hicks has a chance to, to get this job. I don't know if it'll happen. The other guys are still good, but I feel like Hicks has the stuff. And if the strikeouts are there, you know, maybe maybe we finally see him take over the role, especially in a team that is so bad. Like maybe just give him a chance to see what he's got. And you know, they're they're in the central. They're fourteen games out of five hundred, so they're really bad. But they're still only eight and a half back. Like it's not dead dead yet, although they're playing like it's dead. And you know, Arenado had some quotes this week that he thinks their team is pretty dead, but. Um, I don't know. I could see, I didn't I, see those. I, he's pretty much like, we're playing terribly. This is horrible. Like we're just bad. Like it was just like him coming to the to terms, of the fact that we're just bad and not just playing bad. We are bad right now. And, but it's again, it's June 18th. We've seen the last couple of years. It was the, the Braves were bad for you know a couple of years ago and won the world series. The Phillies were bad early and then went to the world series last year. But, um, I don't know. I, I feel like, I feel like Hicks has a chance to be a difference maker. It probably won't happen. The odds are not high. It does, but I think there's enough of a chance there that like if he's a difference maker, he could, he could, he could really be one. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm still bitter about Nolan Arenado, you know, uh, being lazy on that ground ball and miles Mikolas start like two or three <laughs> weeks ago where he gave up three runs afterwards. So yeah. My miles Mikolas king of the one, the one strikeout outing. It's, oh uh, God. Miles he was Mikolas. available in one of my main events. I'm like, oh, yeah, I heard he's been better lately. And I looked at him like, uh, one or two yeah, strikeouts. Yeah, I think I yeah. put in a small bid, but I was like, uh, uh, yeah, Scott McGuff was the other guy that, that I added mm. that I was talking about in there. He was more uh, more of a 12-team play this week, but it seems like you know he, he kind of was in the committee to start the year, struggled a little bit. Uh, Castro pitched better for a while, but now McGuff's been better for the last month. It seems like um, he's the right-handed piece of that committee right now, and he's been pitching pretty well the last five or six weeks. Yeah, I I, uh, I love McGuff. Uh, right, I have nice. McGuff in a bunch, bunch of different places. Um, just to be fair, he does have a 169 BABIP. Um, so that is not, he is not going to maintain that, but he's, he, he gave up a, one of the things that I love, this is kind of strange, but like guys like him who give up a ton of runs at the beginning of the year, I almost feel like they've got regression on their side, you know, where I'm like, okay, he gave up a bunch. So like he's due to be lucky, like moving forward here, but you know, he's just been really good, like 14.4% swinging strike rate, 21% K minus walk over the whole year, 37.5% O swing, which is great. The Z contact isn't fantastic at 84.3%, but it's still about league average, 76% strand rate. So that's fine. He's given up a bunch of home runs already as well. So I kind of like it. And I think he's really kind of been so solid now since the beginning of the season um, Castro is not that good. Miguel Castro is not that good. Yeah. Like you look at Agreed. what he does. He walks too many guys. He doesn't strike out a lot. He's just going to get lucky. And I think what happened maybe there was, I don't know if you saw the game where Cody Clemens hit the, yeah, the, 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 the home run that was fouled. That yeah. wasn't, yeah. Right. Yeah. I think they saw that and they were like, you want to know something? Like, I don't know how comfortable I am. We are like yeah. throwing him out there, um, again, but I think McGuff has been kind of lights out for the last little bit. Um, I haven't looked at his last 15. That's something that I like to do is just like look at the rolling average graphs and check out the last 15, not to put too much stock into it, but just to see kind of where their skills are at. Like 
Is their velo bumped up? Like, is there a reason why they've been improving? Um, and when you look at him, he's got a 34.2% um, K rate um, and about the same O swing um, over his last 15 games. You know, the end zone contact is nice at about 83%. He's still walking too many guys, but he's got that splitter um, and it's a really good pitch and he goes to it a lot. Um, and I think it helps him to limit contact and he works that, you know, like high in the zone with that fastball and just watching him pitch, he looks like a legit closer. And, and so I'm excited. I picked him up uh, a couple weeks ago in a few leagues and then last week in one. And I think this week in one, so I'm really hoping he's good. Cause that would help me a lot. Yeah. Especially in the league that you're high up on. I know you picked him up this week. I picked him up in the main event last week. So I'm kind of hoping for that too. Uh, a few news, news and notes before we get out of here. Um, Henry Davis, and someone mentioned him in the chat, first overall pick in 2021, catcher for the uh, Pirates. I uh, got called up today, so he was not uh, – we can call it tomorrow. He was not He was not available in the NFBC League, so we'll probably talk about him a bunch more next week. But uh, So I'm kind of putting you in a spot here. I know you haven't prepped for it because he wasn't available in, in the leagues we play in. But uh, he's a catcher. I mean, we talked about Bo Naylor earlier. You know, he's obviously a, a huge pedigree. first overall pick, had 11 home runs across double a and triple a with an average about 285 uh, a little bit of strikeouts but not too bad but hard hit rates 48 percent triple a um it's, it's nice we get to watch the guy for a week kind of see how the playing time's working out all in, in here but uh how excited are you about uh, about henry davis maybe picking up hope next week yeah i don't know i just feel bad for um for andy as andy rodriguez i think is yeah. like the other catcher there who was like Really good. And now he just got bypassed by the guy who just got brought up to triple a. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm interested actually. Like it's hard, honestly, like I'm very much projections driven when it comes to some of these rookies as they come up and, and there isn't, isn't one. Uh, so yeah. I, I would rely on those prospect guys, but it looks like, like you mentioned, like there's a little bit of power. There's a little bit of speed there. I'll be interested to see how it translates into the bigs leagues. Right, I imagine right. he has, he has not, he has nine stolen bases. You're right. That's his little yeah. speed. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like I, and you know, it's one of those things where I think it would be ridiculous if they were bringing him up now and going to send him down pretty quickly, unless he was just absolutely awful. Right. Like right. they're trying to get him seasoned. They're trying to get him ready so that he can be, um, you know, kind of the guy for them, for the, for the foreseeable future. So I think that, um, you know, he'd be interesting, but again, I'll be, I'll be pretty skeptical. Um, about what that's going to be able to translate. I do like what you mentioned that his K rate is relatively low, um, you know, like high teens, low twenties, you know, you add on that, whatever three, 4% that you often see bump in the big leagues and it's still not too bad. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. The problem is they got Austin hedges there and he is not, uh, he Austin hedges not hit over a buck 80 since 2018. Yeah. Is that sure. an amazing stat? I just looked at probably like, been on my teams before though, too. Right. <laughs> I know you bad. like, one 176, 145, 178, 163, 175. That is an insane run of value. If you think you get lucky at some point and hit like a buck ninety. That dude must be good defensively. I mean, like, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, he actually is. You look at his like defensive war and all that, he's really good. But man, he's got a one percent barrel rate right now. That is that's some ugly stuff right there. But uh yeah, I, I remember Austin Hedges from the San Diego days. What was yeah. that? That was probably like uh seven, eight years ago now. Yeah, he was there from 2015 to 2019. It looks like he had a he had an 18 home run year in there, though. He had 214 with 18 bombs in 2017. So he's uh really good defensively, obviously. And, but and that and that's really valuable catcher. But man, it's 
It's going to hit a buck 65. That's that. That's tough to stomach uh, too much. Uh, Paul Sporer, our friend, just compared him to uh, this era's Jeff Mathis, which is, a, which is a great comp because we are always we're always trying to get someone else to play catcher in Anaheim besides Jeff Mathis, and it just was always Jeff Mathis. Mike Sosha loved Jeff Mathis. Um, <laughs> Couple real quick notes here for people. Uh, Tristan McKenzie back on the aisle, right elbow strain. This one really sucks. He had just come back from the shoulder injury. Uh, do you drop someone like this? You gonna hold off for more news? What do you do if you have Tristan McKenzie, say in a fifteen or a twelve teamer? Yeah, I think I'm dropping at this point. I mean, it depends on what your options are, but um, you know, it's one of those. It, I, I was really interested in getting McKenzie. He was actually dropped in in my twelve, um, and I tried to pick him up, and I, I I missed out on it. I was really disappointed because he came back and he looked really good. But he did. When you have when you have two arm related injuries, yeah. you know, like kind of back to back in a season, it just becomes really hard. You know, it really it's a really hard ramp up, and in a, in a twelve where you have some places you can go um, for pitching, I, I would probably um, I'd probably cut him. Yeah, I agree. I think they're going to be just insanely cautious with him too. Like he's, he's, I know he's not like 20, but he's still 25, still like a young piece in their rotation. I just think that they're going to coming off the shoulder. I just think they're going to be super safe with this. I think it's going to, I think it's going to last way longer than you want to, if you have him on a fancy team. Uh, similar Edward Cabrera when the 15 day aisle with right shoulder impingement seems like not, not long-term. Uh, what do you do with someone like Cabrera? Do you, you know, obviously not as good as McKenzie, but it's had some, had some flashes. Do you hold someone like this in a 15 teamer? Oh man, I'm, I'm gonna, I was going to say something like snide about how, oh, I didn't realize you'd actually roster him. Um, but he's been good this year, huh? Yeah. No, yeah. no, he hasn't. No, no, he has had, he's had flashes. He's been, he's, he's got, been, he's got flashes. Inconsistent. Yeah. Although I felt like he was, uh, he was better lately, although he's batting at Seattle this week, but he was, uh, he had gone about five straight starts though with three runs allowed or fewer. I do have him in one league and, you know, every time I'm like, oh, I'm finally throwing him, he, he blows up on me. And then I'm like, I'm going to bench him and he throws, or I'm going to drop him. And then he throws a, you know, a six inning shutout with 10 strikeouts on SBAs. But uh, the strikeouts have not been quite what I was hoping for. But uh, I'm I'm holding for a week, kind of seeing some news. I, you know, I think the upside is is real with him, but uh, it's uh, he's right on the edge. It's uh, It might be a drop here. For play. sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, it's just so challenging. Guys with walk rates like that, like yeah, he's a so 13% bad. career yeah. walk rate. And like, it's one thing if, um, if you don't give up home runs, but he's got a one, three, six career home run rate. Right. So it's just like, you're looking at that and you're like, okay, so he's given up a homer a game and the chances of runners being on base with like the whip that he's rolling out there. Like I just have a really difficult time with that. And I, again, I don't mean to be like Snyder. It's really hard. There's plenty of like terrible pitchers I have that I roll out there (laughs) all the time, but, um, it's just really challenging to throw that out there and again you're hoping that he becomes a different guy or he gets lucky and this isn't his true talent level and he reaches some other peak so the k's are are, are great you know, yeah 84 look, and 67 that's great i look at the 29 percent strikeout rate and it always keeps me from dropping him but man that the walk rate is just is brutal right now uh sean murphy i i thought he was going il for sure he had he kind of pulled up out at first base after the uh, after the the, the right hamstring uh, without me a strain says like it's just inflammation uh no il yet obviously what do you do with someone like this like it's you're not gonna be able to start him early this week you're probably not gonna start him much this week do you pick up another catcher do you just kind of roll him out there i think i probably in a 15 year i'd probably just roll him out there and if he goes yeah. il i'll worry about it next week but uh it, it's a tough spot with a catcher because you just hate to use a bench spot on that yeah, I um I did have the situation. I have him in my main, um, Murphy, and I uh, I picked up uh, Jorge Alfaro. Okay. So um I think is uh you know I'll probably roll Alfaro out there the first half of the week. You know the zero zeros are really hard to take. 
They are. Like, you know, if you're Murphy and you're you, the max he's probably playing is two out of the first three, you know, and so one of those games being a good game, especially coming off an of injury, like I'd rather kind of roll out the, at least if I have a halfway decent option. Like I had Danny Jansen injured for a while in a number of leagues. And there were some where I just kind of took a zero because um, there wasn't any good catchers available, but I feel like Alfaro, Yiner Diaz, Bo Naylor, those are examples of kind of yeah. catchers that I feel good about rolling out there. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I, I, by the way, I think it'd be a miracle if Murphy plays two and 30 this week. I think, I think he's yeah. going to miss the whole first half of this week. So I, uh, yeah, I'd throw Alfaro out there. Was at Cincinnati? Is that right? Yeah. He's uh, at Cincy. Yep. Yeah. And he's got the, the games in course. Yeah, so that's a that's a good piece. I mean, if you have a bench spot, uh, I hate taking zeros too. Um, that's a tough one. It just depends who's available and what your bench looks like. If you have a bunch of injured guys, it's hard to do it. But um, other than that, I think I think you kind of hit on all the other ones. Um, Tanner Houck went on the 15 day IL that he got the line drive in the face. It sounds like um, you know, I wouldn't say he's okay, but like better than you would hope for. Getting you know, no, it doesn't sound like any like serious uh, head injury. It sounds like lacerations, but he is in the IL. Um, he he actually they re- they report he has a facial fracture. Oh, does he now? Oh, I thought yeah, he. I thought yeah, I had read yeah, he doesn't. I saw so. that. Yeah, it was, initially it was like contusions. And, yeah, yeah. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, that was uh, that was a scary one. I mean, it, it, they were up thirteen to one in that game, and he was pitching well and kind of cruising. You just you hate to see those. He, he's been looking really good yeah, too. He, he was on my radar as a guy to pick up. It was a bummer. Yeah, I mean, not not for that reason. Obviously, it's a bummer. But like you know, just like yeah. Yeah, those are scary facial fractures. Like you just, you just, that's who knows how long that takes. So that's a, uh, that was a bummer there. We talked about Alex Cobb. We talked about Gene Segura. Uh, last question I wanted to ask you, and this is kind of a uh, one I'm dealing with. Uh, Brandon Lau uh, is, it could refield, re- return for on field work on Thursday. Um, I don't know if you have him anywhere, but you hold him. I, I've held him in a 15 teamer. Um, he's been, he's been bad. He's hitting 205, but like it's just a, a power bat that's there. And, you know, if he's on field work on Thursday, maybe he's out another, you know, two weeks or so. I've held on to him. What do you do with someone like this who's kind of like not playing well, but then also hurt at the same time? Yeah, I don't have him anywhere, but he was available in a couple leagues. And I put in like kind of $1 bids, kind of mid to low range on my um, uh, on my things. And I think that's kind of how I would approach it. I think it's really contextual. Like if you have other second base and middle infield options that you can go to, if you're fine in power, then maybe you can go in a different direction. But as long as they're talking and they're talking positively, yeah. I think sometimes like it's such a fine line between cutting too soon. And then also like realizing like everything seems so urgent right now, but we're yeah. not even halfway through the season. Like we point. still have, yeah. I don't even know what it is probably four sevenths of the season to go yeah. and having a player like of his caliber, who's playing well for the last three months of the season. I mean, that could be 15 home runs, yeah. you know? Um, and that's meaningful. So I would hold on probably unless I had, you know, options that I trusted or there was something on the wire that I felt like overall was going to be better than what he provides. Yeah. I thought about it. It's a, it's a team that I just need power desperately. So like dropping him would just really hurt if he came back and played well. He's got a 12% bail rate. He's got a 47 percent hard hit rate strikes out a ton, but you know, he, he, he fixed that a little bit last year. Maybe he can kind of go back to that. So that's, he's, he's kind of one of those guys where maybe one setback and I drop him, but if he keeps progressing, then I'm going to kind of go with it. But uh, I think that's kind of all that I had. We kind of we kind of talked for a while here. I always like to get you on the podcast, so I apologize that we kind of we talked a little bit long, but it's always uh, fun to have you. Um, I I'm say- guilty. I'm guilty. I think for some of the reason why the podcast goes long. <laughs> no, it was, on there, so. it was it was all good though. Um, what uh, you want to let people know where I can find you? I know you're not doing your podcast uh, weekly anymore, but uh, are you, I think you're still pretty active on Twitter talking baseball. Where can people find you on there? Where if somebody want to chat with Toby, where would they where would they do that? If somebody wanted to chat with me, um. 
Uh, I, I I was just about to do. I don't know if you know the coffee talk uh, yeah. skit from Saturday yeah. Night Live with Barbara Streisand. I was about to say, is that Dana Carvey? Five 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 four 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 four. You know, um, but um, uh, no, I uh, uh, at Batflip Crazy um, on Twitter is the best way to connect with me. Um, I still post occasional uh, gifts of Eddie Rosario, the Fire Eagle, uh, yep. going off um, when he comes back from the dead. Um, but yeah, yeah, definitely, that's the best place to reach me. Um, yeah, and just uh, good luck to everybody. Appreciate you listening. Appreciate um, Scott, your um, inviting me on here. It's a fantastic podcast. I know it's like the one in the industry that everybody um, uh, loves and and really uh, values a lot. And so um, appreciate you giving me the opportunity to join you again. It's fun to talk baseball. Absolutely. And I, I appreciate you saying that. That's very nice. And especially someone that's uh, as good at this as you are and a good player as you are. It really means a lot to hear you say that. So I appreciate you jumping on. I know uh, I miss hearing you every week, but obviously you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on. So I do miss hearing you. So it was really good to uh, catch up with you, hear your voice, chat some baseball. It's always uh, it's always really good. So uh, if you want to follow Toby, he's at Batflip Crazy. I am at Scott Jensted. He's uh, he's a much better player than me this year. So, you know, follow him rather than follow Go Reds. him. Go Reds. Go Reds, our Reds. Jeff will be really bummed that he missed America's the Reds team. Hat. Yeah, it is. It really is right now. It's they're they're really fun. And when that Christian Encarnacion is it Strand or Stroud? I always mess that up. Uh, I think it's Strand. Strand. Think, when he yeah. gets called up, we're gonna have we're gonna have all kinds of CES uh, stuff going on there. So it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun. They're they're about mm. to get even. They're about to get even more fun, which is pretty wild because they're a fun team right now. I think they've won eight in a row or something like that. So our reds are taking over. It's the summer of the reds. I, I, I love it very much. So anyway, uh, thanks everybody for listening. We do really appreciate that. If you could please rate and review the podcast that always goes, uh, always goes, uh, it goes a long way to help helping us out. So we do appreciate that too. Other than that, I want to thank Toby again for coming on and uh, giving us his time. Uh, really good, uh, really good content as always. Uh, Jeff should be back next week. So we'll look forward to that too. Hope it has a really good week, a really good fantasy week and hope you start moving up those standings as the, uh, the summer starts going here. I hope everybody has a good week. Take care. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.